It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is episode four of This Week in Fantasy, a Labor Day edition as we head into the week before NFL football actually begins. It's, it's almost hard to believe that we're there and we are uh, on the cusp of NFL football only days away from the Thursday night game between the Panthers and the Broncos. And then, of course, Sunday the 11th, we will get into it. We've got real live NFL football to watch, and uh, I I couldn't be more excited. So I wanted to get this pod out on Saturday, and of course the Eagles decided to trade Sam Bradford. So (laughs) so my my schedule was kind of thrown into flux, and uh, and I apologize, but I'm hoping this will help out all the people drafting tonight, of course, uh, Labor Day, and and then the next couple nights I actually have four drafts over the Tuesday and Wednesday night period there, two each night, so... I know there are a lot of other people out there who like to wait till the last possible minute to draft, which I, I totally support them all about it because, you know, things like this happen. Sam Bradford gets traded to the Vikings. Guys get cut off teams you expect. I mean, I drafted Justin Forsett in a league a little while ago. He got cut. So, you know, I mean, there's so many different things that can happen between a, an early draft and the start of the season. So uh, for all of you drafting in the next couple of days, hopefully we can just touch on a few of those things that have happened since then. And of course, Sigmund Bloom will join me. I actually spoke to Sigmund prior to the weekend, um, so he does not, at the time, did not know about the Bradford trade, so, so that's not in there at all. We talk a little bit about the Bridgewater injury itself, but uh, outside of that, I think that's really the only thing that uh, has been majorly impacted since I spoke to Sigmund, and again, I apologize for not getting this out on Saturday, but let's talk about it. The Sammy B trade is what, what threw it all off, has kind of thrown all of uh all of Philadelphia into uh, for a loop and all positive. I this is about as uh, universally praised a trade as I have seen in, in a long time. It's one of the best trades on the surface that I can ever remember. When you put all the circumstances into it, you know, with Wentz waiting in the wings and and Bradford a lame duck QB and the fact they were able to get a first and a fourth. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's focus on what we do here. Let's talk some fantasy and let's look at this trade from a fantasy perspective because I think there are a lot of wide-ranging impacts here. Obviously, when Bridgewater went down, the worry was Stephon Diggs, Adrian Peterson, the rest of that offense. Uh, Bridgewater himself, not necessarily a a fantasy stud or anything like that, but but a good enough quarterback who was developing chemistry with people and, and learning to lead the offense, and thus you figured that he would at least be able to help 
make digs and, and AP and a couple other guys worthy fantasy players and obviously AP a, a first round pick in, in many leagues. So I think trading for Sam Bradford really kind of keeps that intact, right? I mean, Diggs and, and Bridgewater obviously developed a chemistry. It seemed like that was growing from everything you heard this preseason and, and during training camp. But I don't think Sam Bradford's any worse than Teddy Bridgewater and, and probably is a better quarterback right now at this particular moment. Obviously not, not you know, prior to, to Bridgewater's knee injury. Obviously Bridgewater not playing quarterback right now. But I do think it will be an upgrade once Brad, uh, Bradford has the chance to learn the playbook and get comfortable there because – He's just, a, as of now, a more experienced, more skilled quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. But again, obviously, long term, it's a, it's a tough blow for that Vikings team as they felt. Teddy was really starting to grow into that and, and was, you know, taking that leadership role and all that. But I do think that that taking away the, the compensation, the first and the fourth and, and what they gave away, strictly from a fantasy perspective, it's a really good move for the Vikings. And, and I think it's a good move for for Sam because he's going to go to a team with a much, much better running offense, which should open things up for him. And, and the receivers are better. I, I mean, Stefan Diggs is, is probably better, or at least as good as Jordan Matthews, and, and better than any other receiver on this Eagles team. And Laquan Treadwell's got some upside. So, uh, you know, maybe not better, but the point is it's not a, a, a downgrade, I don't think. And then when you add in the running game, the offensive line, the, the, the spots where that Vikings offense is better, I think it could end up being the same for Bradford or, or, or better in terms of fantasy, but I think ultimately it'll help Diggs and it'll help AP. It certainly will help AP, uh, and I do think that Bradford and Diggs will be able to form some type of chemistry. And, and then one step further with that offense, it kind of fits Bradford's not throw down the field all the time type of mentality. Diggs is a great route runner. Even Treadwell, who has not really been talked about in a fantasy perspective much, in my mind, gains a little value from this because uh, he is another route runner, not a burner type guy. So for for Sammy, uh, you know, Sammy Checkdown, there's a chance that those guys actually have uh, some legitimate value, uh, especially in PPR leagues. Flipping it over to the Eagles side, one impact and one impact only, and that is Carson Wentz, baby. I mean, I am, I am beyond excited to see this kid go out there and play. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think he is worth a, an ad in deeper leagues, strictly on the, the, the low floor in the sense that he's going to run and pick you up some extra points like a tie rod or a, you know, a player like that who's going to have a, a lower floor simply because of their ability to run a little bit. And look, he's got the physical abilities. We've seen it. So he's going to struggle. He's going to have some really rough games. That There will be a four-interception game in there, I would think. Um, so so I certainly think that, that there will be some struggles there early on. Uh, but in a keeper league and, and certainly in dynasty leagues, went to someone the have to add to your team and, and look at as a potential franchise quarterback down the road because, A, he was drafted that way, and, B, this trade, obviously they, they were going to make the trade no matter what based on the compensation they were getting, but it certainly, certainly lets you uh, leads you to believe, especially the fact that they're going Wentz over Chase Daniel week one, that Wentz is further along in his progression than maybe we expected him to be. So... It's exciting, man. It's exciting to see Wentz out there. And from a fantasy perspective, again, I think he is worth an ad in, in deeper leagues just on that upside alone. A couple other notes from, from roster cuts and then final 53-man rosters that were assembled on Saturday and then some of the subsequent moves that have happened after uh, with other teams picking people up and whatnot. Obviously, Justin Forsett, from a fantasy perspective, as I mentioned before, was maybe the biggest name to get cut at least fantasy-wise, a lot of people thought he was going to be the starting running back there and, and was drafted, obviously not very high, but 
was drafted as the starter there by most people in most leagues. So, And it looks like the Ravens are going to bring Forsett back if he clears waivers and uh, obviously assuming he is willing to take that kind of hit to the ego. But um, if he comes back, I think he'll have a role there. But the, the fact that they cut him to begin with shows that, that you know, if they lose him, they're okay with it and that he's not the, the centerpiece of that running offense. Right now, Terrence West, to me, appears to be the guy you most want to own for now. They liked him. He had a great camp, good preseason. You heard a lot of stuff coming out of Baltimore about how high they were on Terrence West. It looks like the guy, I think him and Buck Allen will share touches for now, split touches, but I think West will be the the main guy there. And then if you're really looking at it down the road this season and, and where they're headed, I think Kenneth Dixon, if he can get back at the, you know, the two to four week window, could be back a couple weeks into the season. They love Kenneth Dixon. He looked great in preseason, in the camps, all that stuff. So I think Dixon has a chance to be the leading running back on that team for the second half of the season and is certainly worth grabbing and stashing right now, considering the instability in that situation right now and the fact that the Ravens have been a good running team over the years and and have a very good offensive line. So uh, Dixon worth an ad in my mind. Let's move on to a, kind of a more roundabout fantasy impact. The, the biggest name to get cut yesterday was Josh Sitton, all-pro guard from the Packers, a stud guard. He's 30 now, so definitely has seen better years, but certainly, certainly still one of the, I would say, upper echelon guards in the league and clearly must have been a money move free agent at the end of the year. The Packers might not have thought that they were going to bring him back, but uh, they, they let him go. They cut him. The Bears snatch him up immediately, three-year deal, and they bring in Lane Taylor to, to play that guard position. And, and this Packers O-line was a big disappointment last year. They were returning all five starters from 2014 into 2015, and, and they struggled. We saw it, especially at the end of the season uh, with you know the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers. It was a, it was a tough road for Aaron Rodgers, and it, and it hurt him from a fantasy perspective towards the end of the season as well. So, so stuff like O-line is, is kind of that second-level stuff you have to keep an eye on just to really look at the full picture from a fantasy perspective. And Lane Taylor's not nearly as good a guard as Josh Sitton is. I, I'm not saying, you know, move Rodgers down your draft boards or anything too crazy, but I certainly think that you want to keep an eye on that Packers O-line early on and, and see how it's playing and how it's developing because it could be an issue for an Eddie Lacy or, or an Aaron Rodgers and again, I'm not saying that, that you know these guys are, are, aren't valuable anymore or anything or, aren't, or shouldn't go where they're going, but I, I do think it's a worry and it's something to keep an eye on because it could maybe hurt their value a little bit if that O-line can't make the blocks it needs to make. Um, going from one bad O-line to the greatest O-line in the history of organized football as uh, the Dallas Cowboys have brought in Mark Sanchez to back up uh, Dak Prescott until Tony Romo is able to return and... Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, as, as an Eagles fan, I'm happy to see Sanchez going to Dallas. But look, from a fantasy perspective, I, I don't think this is really a bad move. Uh, we have no idea what Dak's going to be. Everyone's expecting him to just kill it off the preseason. And he might. Uh, you know, he's talented. He's athletic. He looked good. There, there's upside there. But more likely guess is that he struggles at times. And, and having someone like Sanchez, who is at least better than a Brandon Whedon or Kellen Moore or someone like that, yeah, I know Sanchez sucks. Don't get me wrong. But from a fantasy perspective, I think if you put Sanchez in there, 
he's not going to totally kill Ezekiel Elliott's value or totally kill Des Bryant's value. And and that's really all you're caring about from a fantasy perspective with these guys. So uh, the Sanchez pickup, if nothing else, if you're a Zeke owner or Des owner, I think it should make you feel a little bit more comfortable until Romo gets back, if Romo gets back and can actually do anything. All right, a couple more quick notes before we get to Sigmund Bloom. Uh, Virgil Green named the starting tight end for the Broncos officially. There's some value there, man. I mean, Gary Kubiak offenses. I mean, how many touchdowns have we seen from Owen Daniels over the years or, or guys like that? Or um, So I think there's a good chance that Virgil Green is a, is a part of that offense, especially with Simeon there and, and maybe checking down a little bit or, or whatever. Virgil Green, one of those guys who's going well outside the top 10 in tight ends, top 12 in tight ends, who could prove to be a legitimate value for you. So if you're if you're taking a shot on a late tight end, and a few of those tight ends like the Jared Cooks or or guys like that who are the you know ten to twelve range or, or a sh- you're taking a shot on guys, Virgil Green's a name to look at. I think that ultimately he has a real good chance to be one of those top twelve tight ends by the end of the season. Lastly, uh, Andy Reid finally came out and said that Jamal Charles uh, implied that he is likely to miss Week One. Uh, Ian Rappaport put a tweet out saying that Spencer Ware is likely to start. Charles is still needs more time to recover from this torn ACL. He was back at practice three weeks ago, has not been able to get into game action and, and really show us what he's got. So it's a bit of a worry. I think, look, Spencer Ware needs to be owned in every single league, regardless of if you're a Jamal Charles owner or not. And if you are a Charles owner and you're or you're drafting tonight and you end up with Charles or whatever, get Spencer Ware because you have to be worried about this situation for Charles. And, and look, there's certainly a, a good chance that Charles comes back and is totally fine and and looks his old self, but there's also a chance that he doesn't, or this injury lingers, or just the fact that that he had this setback and the injury in the first place, that maybe Andy Reid decides, all right, I've got Spencer Ware, I've got Charkandrick West, uh, you know, these guys are good too, and, and really, you know, spreads it around more over the course of the season than expected to keep Charles healthy, so uh, heading into drafts tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, and all that, I... I I'm dropping Charles at least around down my draft board. He's moving out of that top 10 of running backs. I can't take that risk on him there. If you want to, I understand it. But if you want to, I think you need to risk uh, going a round or two earlier to get Spencer Ware and really try and lock that down. Of course, then Charkandrick West will be the star when you do that, right? (laughs) That's fantasy for you. Uh, No, but I do think Ware is a must-own for Charles owners. And again, I'd be very, very wary, no pun intended, of drafting Charles right now where he's going. All right, uh, that's the news and notes. Let's get to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy we talk to every week who brings it for us every week. And again, just a reminder, I spoke to him prior to the Sam Bradford trade, so so no nuggets on that there, but a lot of other stuff. uh, So let's get to him. And of course, it's that time as we are lucky enough to weekly welcome this man in. He is the co-owner of footballguys.com and uh, again, I always I always have trouble because I always do the lead in with you can follow him on Twitter, which is his name, but you can. It's at Sigmund Bloom and it's Mr. Sigmund Bloom. How are you, sir? Excellent. You know, ready, getting ready to take a deep breath and uh, swim with the fish this weekend at Dick's before we take the big journey through the football season. And I recommend everybody do that. You know, breathe uh, because we know once the football season starts, uh, it's quite an exciting way to experience time it pulls us through and uh the next thing we know it's january so i'm i'm excited we got the last round you know some sad things to make our final adjustments to our board and our final drafts out of the way and then enjoy the season 
Yeah, I'm with you. Great point about uh, uh, taking advantage of this last weekend. And as uh, I like to say, surrendering to the flow, as it were, uh, when you have the opportunity. So because um, it's about to get crazy and crazy in a good way. So let's jump in while I have you. Um, you mentioned it uh, real quick. I want I want to talk more generally uh, with like the last weekend of drafts coming up here. We've kind of nailed every specific situation, but I don't think we can go uh, without mentioning the two quarterback injuries that happened since the last time we talked. Uh, T- Tony Romo, obviously, earlier in the week, uh, th- that injury, um, you know, Dak and the offense, how do you view that? And then, of course, the uh, the really sad Teddy Bridgewater news that uh, has really just kind of taken the, uh, the league, not by storm, I don't want to say, but um, it-, it just seems like everyone's really been struck by that one. Yeah. Yeah, with Bridgewater, I would say it takes the wind out of everyone's sails, you know, because um, we know that there are season-ending injuries and things like that. This could be, I mean, I want to say career-ending, but we, we'll see. Um, and it was at a time that everyone's so hopeful. This Vikings team was so hopeful they're opening a new stadium. This is a player taking another step forward, a leader of this team. We'll see how they respond in week one against Tennessee. For fantasy, I don't think we're changing Adrian Peterson. I think there's still going to be a very conservative offense. I had Peterson in the second round anyway. So maybe you move him from the first round to the second round just because the offense might not function as well with Sean Hill. I like Jarek McKinnon. I still like Jarek McKinnon. I still think that his talent can rise to the top. It's another reason that I'm a little more lukewarm on Peterson as a first-round pick than as a second-round pick. Stephon Diggs is the guy who takes the hit here because he was developing terrific chemistry with Bridgewater, looked fantastic in that third preseason game, and looked like even though this was a low-volume pass offense, he could really create weekly, consistent value. Uh, that's going to be a lot harder with Sean Hill. Uh, and I, I think that you know, just as a Minnesota, as a team, they shell up more on offense, they get even more conservative, and play more games like the playoff game that they lost where you, you might be looking at you know, four field goals is enough to win. Yeah, it's a great point. It does kind of uh, maybe raise Blair Walsh's value a little bit in a strange way. It's a, it's a good point. Um, and, and yeah, that the, just the injury itself. Like you're, you know, Will Carroll came out today and and confirmed that I, I I'm not even going to try and attempt to say what it was, but but it, it seemed like the trainers on the field kind of saved his leg potentially and definitely saved his career. So or or potentially saved his career. So. Um, yeah, and it seems like Bridgewater's such a likable guy, too, always has a smile. So uh, it's a tough one. Let's uh, let's hit on the other one, which uh, may be a little bit, a lot more foreseeable. Uh, Romo gets kind of nicked on the back, and he's out 6-10. to 10. Uh, Do you think there's any chance Romo makes any sort of impact this season? And on the flip side, you know, is there any chance the preseason that Dak had is, is anything for real? There's a chance it's for real. Look, for, as far as Romo goes, he might be back in four, six, eight, ten weeks. Make eight, ten weeks. He might not play again this year. And I think even when he does come back, if you look at the way he moved and the way he took that hit, uh, he's the clock is close to striking midnight on him. Mm-hmm. And he's had and he's had a great career. He's never going to get the due he deserves because of his playoff performances. But uh, yeah, he's always one hit away from now until the end. He till the time he's done playing. Yeah, basically. And you know, the hit he took was not a. a huge hit it's just the way his body takes those hits now you can see it's hard on him uh des bryant takes a hit here i had him maybe as a pick around eight nine or ten in the first round he's more of a late first early second guy around the turn just because it takes some edge off of his upside prescott is not the passer that romo is uh as far as the runners though we saw everything we wanted from ezekiel elliott and i think dak prescott's ability to run 
will still keep defenses pausing as much as Tony Romo's ability to pass. I think if you were going with Elliott in the first round, you stick with Elliott in the first round, and Alfred Morris still has a lot of value. Can Prescott carry over his performance? I think he can for the first few weeks at least. Matt Waldman, my colleague, talks about how the league works in these four months, I'm sorry, four week cycles. And it might take the league a month or two to really catch up to Prescott's weaknesses and give him things that he can't handle. In the meantime, the Cowboys did a tremendous job. You mentioned that preseason performance. They really did a great job making the offense bite size for him, giving him half field reads. And with a running game like they have, defenses are going to be on their heels when it comes to playing the pass and overplaying the run anyway. So he's got an advantage. He's confident. And that confidence is so important going into the season. If you say, for instance, take Tom Brady, who's not going to play the first four weeks, and you throw Dak Prescott out there in his first four games, getting the Giants, Washington, Chicago, and San Fran, that can work. Prescott can add with his legs. He's got Des Bryant, Jason Witten, Terrence Williams, Ezekiel Elliott's a great receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I, I think it won't be shocking if he does carry over at least some level of success. And then we may see come week six, week eight, week nine, week ten, the league catches up to him. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And obviously, I think hitting on the, the his ability to run is really key. And I th- it could open up things for Zeke as well. I'm really the, the guy who, in my mind, takes the, the smallest hit with the Romo injury is Ezekiel Elliott. I think he should be fine buying that line either way, uh, assuming Dak, of course, isn't just a complete and total failure out there. Um, okay, before we uh, get inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom, which I love to do, I'm going to go real quick. I, I want to go one per position, and we won't do kicker and defense. Uh, you know, people can figure that out. Um, but for QB running back, wide receiver, and tight end, we'll start with QB. I want you to give me one current either backup or or as far as QB goes, low-end QB, who is going to end up in the top 10 this season. Okay, uh, Matthew Stafford. I think the system has set him up. Set him up. His targets have set him up. They're going to go up tempo. They're going to pass a ton. He was a top five or six quarterback under Jim Bob Cooter in the second half of the year. Last year, I think losing Calvin Johnson but adding Marvin Jones, adding Anquan Bolden, that's kind of a wash for me. They're not going to run the ball that well anyway. The offensive line is a little bit of a worry, but Matthew Stafford is looking lined up to have the offense flow through him, which is what we want to hear for a fantasy quarterback. You're one for one. I love Stafford there. I agree. I love the tempo. I think it'll be good for him. It'll. I think it'll help him with some of the mistakes he makes. Uh, I'm excited about that offense as well, at least as kind of an under-the-radar one. All right, running back. Who's the current backup or handcuff or whatever who's going to be a top-ten guy at the end of the season? After watching the games all weekend, coming back around to DeAndre Washington, I just think that as I expected whenever they took him in the fifth round, it's not going to be difficult for Washington to look a lot better than Latavius Murray. A lot faster, quicker, just more dynamic. And it makes sense for this offense to spread the field, have the better receiving option out of the backfield, and the, and also have uh, not an offensive line that's trying to maul and push people back, but allowing Derek Carr to take defenses apart with the passing game and then creating more lanes for a player like Washington. Jalen Rashard an undrafted free agent, look very good. And we may well see something that behind uh, Latavius Murray, there's Washington and Richard. I think Washington's ahead of Richard, though. I just look at Latavius Murray as a sitting duck as the season goes on. So DeAndre Washington, I've come all the way around on because he looked terrific, especially as a receiver out of the backfield in that game against Tennessee. All right, wide receiver. Uh, I know you'd been a Mike Thomas fan, so maybe avoid that name because we've already talked about it. Who's another of those third receivers or second receiver on a bad team or whatever it is who's who's going to end up in that top 10? 
Yeah, well, top 10 is... is and again, yeah, this is more of a, a bold proclamation. Who, you know, top 10, top 20, there's a chance to be much higher than expected. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll just say, if you're looking for that player, it's Josh Gordon. I mean, if you're looking for somebody that you can get outside of the top 25 receivers that can finish in the top 10, it is Josh Gordon. He looked fantastic. I mean, he looked like Josh Gordon that mm-hmm. we've come to know and love uh, in the game against Tampa Bay on those deep balls. Um I, I like Tyrell Williams a lot in San Diego. He's uh, a 3A for this offense right now, but Phillip Rivers loves him. We know that Phillip Rivers is going to throw a ton. We know that Stevie Johnson's role had a lot of high percentage p- passes that allowed the receiver to make things happen after the catch. And Tyrell Williams was catching these balls in stride, tacking on yards after the catch, very tough to bring down. Uh, I think this is a player whose role will grow as the season goes on because he's a physical marvel, because he's getting on the same page. And this is the same thing with Michael Thomas, what I've pointed out, that when a quarterback, a, a very experienced, savvy quarterback, sees a young player that's physically talented, that also has that chemistry, that on the same page, uh, good good things can happen. So keep Tyrell Williams, at least on your waiver wire speed dial, if not the end of your bench. Yeah, I love that call, especially when looking at how many targets Keenan Allen got last year in eight games. And the fact that Keenan Allen did only play eight games, and I know it wasn't a, a recurring injury type of thing, but he's missed time. And um, there are a lot of targets to go around in that offense, especially because I'm not super bullish on Melvin Gordon as a, as a major turnaround. So I think there are targets there, and I like that upside play. Last one, let's go to the tight ends. We know you're a big Martellus Bennett fan. Uh, he's probably in that top 10 for most people anyway. Who's someone in that you know 15 to 20 range who's going to make his way into being an elite guy or borderline elite? I'll actually give I'll give you three because oh, awesome. there's, there's there, there there's so many Jared Cook he looked like a central part mm-hmm. of the offense I know we've had this happen before so many times Jared Cook is like the yeah. you know, fantasy unicorn right the tease the tease but here you're spending a 15th round pick on somebody we don't care I mean if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. in week one against Jacksonville because they have good linebackers cover him so be it but he was central in the offense uh, converted his targets into first downs has never played with the quarterback like Aaron Rodgers Virgil Green is clearly the number one tight end in Denver uh QBX offense tends to make the tight end a focal point and with a quarterback charge Simeon they're going to try to keep high percentage throws uh Virgil Green I I think has a chance to get as many targets or be as important for this pass offense as Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders at least based on what we've seen in the preseason now this could have been to feature him uh it's I think there's a connection there and then I'll say Jesse James Ooh, uh, a little Penn State grass. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's nothing that impressive about him. He doesn't play to his measurables, but his hands look good, and you can really see what I, Ben Roethlisberger showed me some, me some maturity. I know that he's you know for a quarterback pretty old. I think he's 34, mm-hmm. but he really looked like he was ready to take what the Saints defense gave him. And a lot of times that is Jesse James in the middle of the field, sitting there, turning around, waiting for the target, much like Heath Miller. Not going to do a lot after the catch, but we saw him get five catches in this game. We saw him get a touchdown after Roethlisberger scrambled, presenting that big target. Uh, And James just looks steady. And this is going to be a Steelers offense that is going to pass a lot. And if teams decide to take away Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton, uh, really pay attention to Le'Veon Bell once he's back in the fourth game, Jesse James, that's the guy you go into the week saying, you know, uh, if they're going to let it, if he wants to throw the ball to Jesse James 10, 11, 12 times, we'll let him do that. That could easily be a script with Ladarius Green on the PUP. I don't know when we're going to see him. I know we're going to see a lot of James. I love it. And obviously the great name to boot. Uh, All right. As always, my favorite part of the week, let's go inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom. And uh, I figured with 
it being Labor Day weekend come up, we'd we'd stick with the labor theme. And obviously now you you have a job as a fantasy analyst, which is a, a great fun job. You know, we all do this stuff because uh, you know we we love it and we don't really have to work. You know, so it's it's wonderful. Um, but let let's put that on the on the side because we all know about that. I want I'm going to ask you two things. I'm going to ask you one. What is either the weirdest or, or strangest job you've ever had? And then two, if you could do anything else in the world besides be a fantasy analyst, what would that job be? Well, um, anything else in the world besides a fantasy analyst would be, um, I mean, what I originally, originally wanted to do, if I could really choose anything, is be the play-by-play announcer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know? Yes, uh, I love that was, it. That, that was how I got into this interest in wanting to just talk about sports and think about sports and write about sports. And share that. Um, if it wasn't, then I should also give a shout out to my favorite job that I've had, other than being a fantasy analyst, which was working at a convenience store. Really? And, yeah. Clerk style. In here in Austin, in a neighborhood convenience store, back in old Austin, it's like my uh, addition, my contribution to old Austin. Well, 1998 to 2001. Some people say that's not old Austin. That's like 70s. That's old Austin. Anyway, my point is, you got to see everybody in the community. You got to know everybody, and uh, and then I would put on my my Walkman and listen to you know the, oh, the latest the latest hot shows from the 98 Fish yes. Court. Get the uh, get the cooler together. Weirdest job, you know, I had I did a lot of jobs when I was. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, I don't know if there are any of them that were too weird. I, I, I will tell a weird story. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 24. I hope people don't lose respect for me. <laughs> no, it's all right. And part my of it's because I was, still can't ride a bike. Don't tell anyone I said that. I won't. I won't. And I, you know, I was uh, a caddy, and um, I remember I wrecked a golf cart twice. Oh, no. At the uh, Ben Hogan. <laughs> Quicksilver Classic. No, uh, so like not just like on a normal like I, day. I, into a regular, or I drove it into a ditch. Someone helped me get out of the ditch, and I drove it into the other ditch. <laughs> so, uh, and I turn this more into the embarrassing story part of it. I didn't, you know, I had a telemarketing job. That uh, I'll give you. Here's the weirdest one. I got one for you. Okay. For for a summer with for a couple of months, I was the person out in the mall that would try to get you to have Sears come to your house and sell you a free estimate, you know, sell you on their siding and eaves. Get out of here. I, I would just try to get people to sign up. Spent most of the time just walking around the mall. That's don't awesome. tell him, don't tell anybody. I won't, I won't, I won't ruin your perfect reputation at that job. Obviously I'm sure you use it for references and all that important stuff. So let's not, let's keep that to ourselves. Yeah, I, will, well, I will. That's great. Well, Sigmund, as always, I love to get deeper and deeper inside the mind and, uh, as you alluded to, I too am uh, quite the head. So uh, have a good time out in Colorado at the fish shows, and uh, I hope to be going to some over New Year's as well and Halloween. Who knows? Maybe something special happens. But either way, enjoy it out there, man. And uh, I'll talk to you next week, and we can get a report. Always look forward to it. Thanks. If if uh, you know if I can find my mind whenever I get back. Yes. Yes, well, just make sure you take care of your shoes. And that's going to do it for Mr. Sigmund Bloom. We will talk to him again next week. All right, that was awesome. As always, Sigmund kills it. We really appreciate it. I hope he is a... Had a great time out at those fish shows in Denver, Colorado. They look like good ones. And um, so, again, uh, I appreciate everyone listening. This has been episode four of This Week in Fantasy. I will be back later this week. Uh, It's going to be either Thursday or Friday, trying to figure out the schedule. But we will be putting out a a weekend preview. 
We're going to have a special guest to come on and talk some DFS with us to, to get people ready, which I'm trying to decide. I might put that as a special podcast itself. Maybe I might give you guys a quick DFS pod to get started and then uh, a separate one for season-long people because I know that not everyone does both. But um, either way, we're going we're gonna to try and get a couple things out this week for you with the DFS pod and, of course, the, the preview of the games and, and some of that stuff as well with, with Sigmund as well. So um, so that's all coming up. And as far as the uh, this week in Fantasy Football League, if you sent in an application, you'll be hearing from me soon as uh, the draft will be Wednesday night and uh, I will be reaching out to people on Twitter who have gotten into the league. And, uh, and that's going to do it again uh, this week in fantasy. I will be back this week with some DFS action, season-long preview. And, uh, and again, hit me up on Twitter if you've got any last-minute draft questions or anything I can help out with at James Seltzer on Twitter. All right, that's going to do it for episode four of This Week in Fantasy. Again, for everyone drafting tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, good luck. Start that process towards a championship season. All right, guys, I'll talk to you again this week. Bye.